broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey everyone, it's CW. Have you ever found yourself thinking, man, it's time to make a change. I got to get out of this job. I got to do something I really love and enjoy. Well, that was the topic of our discussion today, reinventing oneself. We continued our monthly series with the experts from IRC Wealth. They're a group of financial planners that work with professionals, individuals, and entrepreneurs, helping them develop a real financial plan that'll help them achieve their ultimate goals. For some, that's retiring someday. For others, it's maybe building a business to the point where they can sell it successfully with a great rate of return, or maybe just to have their business be financially stable such that they can transition it over to their heirs one day. Coming up, here's Joe Shum, the Vice President of Business Development for IRC Wealth, talking about how it came to them that we should talk about reinvention. We're seeing a lot of this going on with our client base, but also with people that we meet in general, that they are in the process of considering some form of reinvention. And as you know, we've talked about in the past that uh, risk analysis is a big part of how we coach people on the wealth side and with our CFO for hire clients too. And we just seemed to think that there was a really cool conversation here. And then when you had, when we told you about what we were going to talk about, you said, Hey, I know something about that. Yeah, and I thought I, about Dave as well <laughs> and me, and we were all sort of products of reinvention. I That's thought right. this could really work out well. Here's Dave Ragland, CEO and founder of IRC Wealth, talking about how important it is for us to consider those facets of our life that are most meaningful to us when we're trying to come up with a financial plan that will help us experience all those things in our life as well as maybe retiring one day and doing so successfully. Check it out. Yesterday is a prime example of a meeting I went to and the planning that was done by another uh, professional was looking out 30 years. And this gentleman was 40. I'm sorry, it was 24 years. He was 40, and they were talking about when I retire at 64 or 65 and had this long conversation, and all the numbers made sense. And for an hour and a half, I sat there, and we talked about the numbers, and we had a fantastic meeting, and I reflected on it for three or four hours. And I called this gentleman back, and I said, well, what happened to, I want to be coaching my son's soccer team in five years. I want to be selling the margaritas on the beach in seven years. And so what I saw was less financial and more personal in that his goals were really to be financially free a lot sooner and that his job career, this individual made a lot of money and is using our principles of spending less than he makes and he's completely debt-free now and so the two really didn't work together we saw a 24-year horizon on paper at this other meeting that i attended but yet his real desire is to be done in five years and so we had a long conversation about that which was very interesting and to pull him back to well, what are my personal goals and my family goals and my I want to coach the soccer goals? Here's Debbie Buckland talking about some of the reasons that she encounters when folks come to her to talk about the need to reinvent themselves. My opinion and what I've seen in my practice is that it's not quite black and white like that. It's pretty gray. <laughs> I do see clients that come in with the intention of doing something completely different. They're done. Many times I see them as running away from something as opposed to going towards something. They're establishing some grief. Feel, they've got some feelings going on that they're just trying to figure out who they are, what's going on. But as I'm saying, it's not necessarily so black and white. There's a lot of gray. 
many people are, as you're describing in that hybrid role, in the fact that gone are the days that one job is going to take care of everything. That one job takes care of your personality and your interests and your lifestyle and your values. And you get to a point in your life where it's time to see what I can do to augment that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I see mostly in my practice. And I do see people that are really trying to be more authentic. I think more than ever today, with the things that are going on, both personally and professionally in their lives, they say, it's my turn now. I need to be more authentic. And can you help me identify what that authenticity looks like? Because mm-hmm. I don't know. Stick around. we got the full interview with Dave Ragland, Joe Shum, and Debbie Buckland coming up next. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us for the Midtown Business Radio Show. Got some friends in the studio that you will be coming familiar with. They're coming in and sitting in with us every month now on the first Tuesday of the month. We've got the folks from IRC Wealth joining us in the studio, Dave Raglan and Joe Shum. Welcome, guys. Hey, hey. Good to see you. Nice to have you back in the studio today. How things been, man? You got a lot going on, sounds like. It is getting quite crazy for us. Busy. Good. Good stuff. Um, Dave's got, I don't know, eight, 9,000 meetings a day. <laughs> so I've been inundating him with additional things for his valuable time. And we continue to explore all kinds of really cool subject matter, building content and publishing it. So all cylinders are firing right now. Sometime in the next month or so, I'm going to have a mixer for the Midtown studio. You guys will have to come because there's probably going to be quite a few companies that we've interviewed over the past year or so that need to meet you to talk about outsource CFO solutions and things like that. So we'll have to hook you up with that. Yeah, and that's some cool stuff that's been going on in that part of our practice as well. And uh, we're hoping to do some things at the on the next show uh, regarding that specifically with the one client in mind. But uh, that, too, is keeping us quite busy. From what I understand, we're going to be talking about reinventing oneself today. I'm, I'm interested in talking about that. It's uh, the, the radio show coming along and, and having this opportunity as a business was something that kind of did that for me. So I thought it was a really cool topic. So why don't you introduce us to the guest you brought along with you today? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Sitting in with us today is uh, Debbie Bucklin, and she is a licensed therapist and coach, and I'll let her uh, speak to her credentials in a minute because I'm sure I don't understand all those acronyms, but she has a lot of them, and they're very impressive. But Debbie is also a product of reinvention, which is a really cool thing about her, and we came in contact with her through a client and did some work with her, uh, some internal team building, uh, both David and I, and we really appreciated her style and approach and, and her expertise. And so we had come to her and said, listen, we're seeing a lot of this going on with our client base, but also with people that we meet in general, that they are in the process of considering some form of reinvention. And as you know, we've talked about in the past that uh, risk analysis is a big part of how we coach people on the wealth side and with our CFO for hire clients too. And we just seemed to think that there was a really cool conversation here. And then when you had, when we told you about what we were going to talk about, you said, Hey, I know something about that. And I thought about Dave as well (laughs) and me, and we were all sort of products of reinvention. I thought this could really work out well. So just to uh, share a few notes about Debbie before I let her jump in here, but um, she uh, started at AT&T. She was a Assistant award winner in the international sales and sales management practices there. Um, she built a lot of relationships with clients and partners around the world, and she had a passion for motivating others for change and success that led her back to school for a master's in counseling. 
And she has a real consultative approach. We know this firsthand from working with her. And as I said, that was what attracted us to bring her in today. She has her own private practice working with individuals and couples through relationship issues, transitions such as marriage and breakup, empty nesting, college to career and career to retirement. And this was something, a theme that we had on our schedule for this month was talking about the nearly retired, so to speak. And all those people that sort of see it off there in the horizon. I and hope to be able to do it. That's yeah. what, I don't really want to say, be, being the guy saying, hey, welcome to Walmart. You know? Right, right. Really unless want you to want to. to. Unless you uh, want exactly. to. Exactly. Right? If I feel like doing it, that's one thing. But I don't want to have to do it. Right, right. So anyway, Debbie, welcome. Thank you. Did I Thanks do, for inviting me. Yeah, well, thank you for spending some of your time with us today here. Um, we're really excited to have you. And we've been excited to get to know you. And uh, did I do justice to a lot of these, uh, to a lot of these things? I think I left off about six or eight paragraphs, but. Uh, <laughs> no, you did great. Okay. That's definitely, that defines me. Yes. Yes. Fabulous. And then of course, um, you know, to my right as uh, my leader here, David, <laughs> who is unusually quiet this morning. Always re- reinventing myself yes, every so, day when I'm with Joe Shum. That's the good news. Well, you know, and, and David, you know, has a great reinvention story and that's sort of what, you yeah. know, as, as we got to know each other, it was very impressive what he he's done. And so uh, this is just really cool. I, um, you know, I see that, uh, you know, I have three examples of sort of the inspiration of today. And now this will get us all started here on the conversation, but there are three distinct individuals that I've seen in the last maybe four to six weeks who have all sort of defined a different sort of reinvention. Uh, one of them, uh, was a friend who sort of, you know, uh, come through a crisis period and she threw her hands in the air and said, I'm going to do something different. And she went off to school and she enrolled in school and she's going to do something completely different from technology sales, I should say. And she's loving it. And she just jumped off the pier with both hands and feet and enrolled in some classes and she's going off to do something different. And uh, then I have someone else that I know that's a client and a close personal uh, relationship with who is going through a similar epiphany of sorts and wanting to maintain more of a hybrid approach, you know, take the expertise that she's built 30 years on to continue to meet her financial requirements and retirement financial goals while she explores new things to do with her life as she not either before or after retirement um that will keep her a vibrant individual and uh and in in her community and for herself and then someone else who is um retiring from a very long and successful corporate career who has made plenty of money and is ready to go with something that's a little bit more on the dot org community-based involvement side and has the financial freedom to do that, which is something that we talk about quite a bit, right, Dave? Every day. And so these three different individuals sort of crossed my path in the last, like I said, month, month and a half. I said, wow, let's do this. So anyway, with that said, what do you think about that, Debbie and Dave? My opinion and what I've seen in my practice is that it's not quite black and white like that. It's pretty gray. (laughs) I do see clients that come in with the intention of doing something completely different. They're done. Many times I see them as running away from something as opposed to going towards something. They're establishing some grief. Feel They've got some feelings going on that they're just trying to figure out who they are, what's going on. But as I'm saying, it's not necessarily so black and white. There's a lot of gray. Many people 
are, as you're describing in that hybrid role, in the fact that gone are the days that one job is going to take care of everything, that one job takes care of your personality and your interests and your lifestyle and your values. And you get to a point in your life where it's time to see what I can do to augment that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I see mostly in my practice. And I do see people that are really trying to be more authentic. I think more than ever today, with the things that are going on, both personally and professionally in their lives, they say, it's my turn now. I need to be more authentic. And can you help me identify what that authenticity looks like? Because mm-hmm. I don't know. I love the authenticity idea because it's something that uh, I experienced when I first met you and I've been working with you a little bit. And it, especially as you start to cross that uh, international uh, dateline of age where you, <laughs> you start to you start to see other horizons and you think, you know, have I been me this whole time? Yeah. You know, without sounding a little too much of burning incense and, you know, that kind of thing and sitting out in a field alone. But have I have I been what I'm supposed to be? And uh, what's the I, answer that comes to that? Well, you know, that's a good question. I'm, I'm just starting my journey there. But uh, but for some of those, I think that, uh, that I don't know if they ever actually get an answer to it. Do they, Debbie? Do they actually? I think they do. I think that there is that possibility of enlightenment, if you will. It's about imposter syndrome. If you've heard of the term the imposter syndrome, it's, you know, when you walk into an office, and I experienced it many times with AT&T, where I'd be sitting in Hong Kong in a business meeting, and I'd be saying, if I open up my mouth and say one more thing, people are going to realize, I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And that's exhausting. So the authenticity is really taking a deep breath and saying, wow, I can be me. I'm giving myself permission to really be me in a world where everybody always has to pretend and be someone that they're not. So it's freeing more than anything else. Yeah, that's cool. And, and, and I think too, that, you know, what we always sort of talk about Dave is, you know, when, when you get to one of these points in your life where this starts to take uh, a bigger piece of your mindset that you consider some of the impact it has both to your finances, your family, your, your sort of the, you know, it's not just about making a change. There's all kinds of things in the ripple effect on this, and you have to make sure that you understand what the results of this could be for you. Well, no question about it. Uh, yesterday is a prime example of a meeting I went to, and the planning that was done by another uh, professional was looking out 30 years. And this gentleman was 40, I'm sorry, it was 24 years. He was 40, and they were talking about when I retire at 64 or 65 and had this long conversation, and all the numbers made sense. And for an hour and a half, I sat there, and we talked about the numbers, and we had a fantastic meeting, and I reflected on it for three or four hours. And I called this gentleman back, and I said, well, what happened to I want to be coaching my son's soccer team in five years? I want to be selling the margaritas on the beach in seven years. And so what I saw was less financial and more personal in that his goals were really to be financially free a lot sooner and that his job career, this individual made a lot of money and is using our principles of spending less than he makes and he's completely debt free now. And so the two really didn't work together. We saw a 24 year horizon on paper at this other meeting that I attended, but yet his real desire is to be done in five years. And so we had a long conversation about that, which was very interesting and to pull him back to 
well, what are my personal goals and my family goals and my I want to coach the soccer goals? You know, and I, I would also throw in something there that are you supposed to pull them back, Debbie? I mean, what if, you know, we look at things sort of empirically on the financial side a lot where we say, well, look, you know, you've got we, we've been planning a 24 year or a 12 year runway for you to land softly and enjoy life. And now you've made it five and so we'll look at something and say, hey, you like know, an aircraft carrier. Right, right, right. The aircraft carrier got very short. <laughs> and um, now what do you do? And but but should we limit, you know, uh, people that we talk to to say, oh, you really shouldn't do that. You got 12 years. This is what we said. What what, what do you think there? What, what, how do we how do we talk to someone about that? Well, I think some of it is just the personality, right? Personality is some people are driven by destination and some people are driven by the journey. And if you're able to augment your life, you know, are you going to sit at the airport and wait to till you get to have to, you know, to retire? Or are you going to take your time, enjoy yourself on the way there? And part of the work that um, career counselors do, therapists do, anybody that's able to um, work on the emotional side is about identifying what is important to you, what your priorities are, taking Actually, the millennials are actually, we could do some reverse mentorship, if you will. The millennials have a, have the right idea where they say, you know, let's live for the moment. Let's enjoy what we have, work-life balance. They define work-life balance. They say, I'm not going to work harder. I'm not going to work as hard as my parents did. I'm going to really enjoy life. And so I think that that's part of what we can learn from them, that you don't have to be, again, I keep going back to this black and white concept, but it doesn't have to be, let's just kind of put our dreams on hold for 12 years and then do it. Because as we all know, life can be really short. All of a sudden, you may not have those 12 years. So if you're able to, at this point, augment what you're currently doing and being able to do it with something that you're really passionate about, that makes it much more of a holistic approach where you have things like spirituality and connections and relationships and eating well and exercising, all that makes, uh, you know, a satisfactory life as opposed to just a satisfactory career. That's interesting. I was going to, I was going to look at you about that because you, you <laughs> had just right. made such a drastic change <laughs> from where you right. came from. And it, I was going to kind of bring you in on that. Yeah, that's right. We've been talking with therapist and professional coach Debbie Buckland. And then of course the financial experts, Dave Ragland and Joe Shum from IRC wealth. And I met them through the show and, and uh, this thing, the radio uh, that I've been doing um, here through the Business Radio X Network and the shows I've been a part of really kind of came to me by accident. You know, for for me, professionally, I, I went into healthcare and you arbitrarily select what you're going to go into either because a family member did this or that. And and so that's what I'm going to do. Or you try to think, well, this will that will earn me a good living. So you go down that path. But I think that when you're 18, it's hard to know exactly mm -hmm really what you want and yeah. who you are um so i had good jobs along the way and i've got one now and and uh enjoy it and, and have a passion for what i'm doing with them and that's ultimately what led me to be a part of a show i was guest on a show and ultimately started the top docs radio show and at that point it was 48 years of you know kind of not necessarily having a true trajectory or professional, usually you're going to hit this, and then when I get to that on my profession, then I'll go to the next either academic level or, or you know, you build on that vertically. Um, it, it had taken me 48 years basically to go, holy cow, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, to 
to you talked about earlier being yourself and being um, authentic authentic to who you are it really just unexpectedly it wasn't something I sought out it wasn't something that I crafted I guess I'm technically verbose in a, in a lot of cases so it just kind of lent itself and all of a sudden uh, I go from somebody who has a hard time talking to strangers to it just really pulled me out and now I can talk to anybody and then actually enjoy it used to it was very uncomfortable and quite anxiety producing so now I've, I've had the the blessing to be able to continue to do both. I'm able to pursue this new direction that is a is the thing that I want to drive, right? And yet at the same time, I'm able to leverage this uh, medium to the benefit of my day job, if you will, the the medical practice that I work with. Um, so I'm able to pay the mortgage still and and help them grow through, which was the ultimate reason why we started Top Talks Radio. Um, at the same time. So I'm, I'm one of the few people maybe that, that actually has that opportunity that you can pay the mortgage, but yet be developing your, I don't know, your personal parachute, if you will, the thing that you really want to be and do, and get to craft them at the same time, which has been kind of a exciting thing. And that's exactly what I was describing. You are actually a prime example of exactly what I'm describing, because that is what we call a portfolio career or a slash career. So it's you're doing this job slash this job, right. Right? right? Because as I mentioned, you know, this might take care of your lifestyle, your day job, if you will, may take care of your lifestyle. But then you have the other side of the slash or the other part of the portfolio career that says, this is what's going to take care of my values or my interest and my personality. And eventually, and sometimes it can be in a form of volunteer work, sometimes it can be in a form of being paid for it just really depends on what's offered and it depends on what your interests are, what your motivation is. David McClellan talks about three types of motivation, affiliation, achievement, or power. And so if you're missing one of those three, whatever motivates you, if you're missing that, then you're able to go make up for it in something like you're doing. And I think it's great that you've been able to. And again, many of my clients come in my office and ultimately that's what they want, just what you have. You know, it's it's interesting. I a while back um, on LinkedIn Pulse, I I read an article by a guy named Bruce Kasnoff, and it was it was actually it was talking about a book he wrote, which then I downloaded, and, and the book was called How to Self Promote Without Being a Jerk. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I read some of his stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His articles are great, and um, I liked his style of writing. And then the book is just a it's a it's a pub, ebook published on Amazon for six or eight bucks. Um, and, um, you know, you can read it in 40, 45 minutes or less. Um, but the, the Cliff's Notes version of this very short book is that if you approach every interaction that you have, professional or personal, with how can I help this person that I'm interacting with right now, then you will, you will draw to you more or less success, basically. You don't have to, you know, we talked, and, and and the coolest thing about the medium and the thing I'm doing now is I was able to call him up and say, "Hey, man, I'd love to interview you. You want to you want to talk about that?" So I actually got to call the guy who wrote the book and say, "Let's talk about it." Nice. Um, and 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 one of the things he shared was is that you want to be helpful. You want to approach your your interactions with that way, but you don't give away the farm. You have to you have bills to pay. You have a job to do. You have things you have to accomplish. So you have as long as you're able to keep that in mind and truly. You know, you don't have to fake it. You don't have to fake help people. Once you get, I have found personally, once you get into that vein where you really 
get some measure of joy out of being a bright spot in someone's day. Um, it gets, it's just like working out. It gets momentum and mass and, and it becomes second nature. So, um, the, the coolest thing has been able to, um, through this, be able to say, well, I can help you. I've got, I've got a media outlet. Come talk about what you're doing. It's really cool. And, you know, so it's been extremely rewarding on a lot of levels. That's very neat. Very neat. It's neat. Yeah, you know, and and recently I've seen some of the changes that I've been able to um, create for myself. Some of them I've been, you know, onboarding at IRC, uh, knowing David for a long time, but being able to try some things and do some things that I've been learning over the past maybe three or four years that are more, you know, social selling, social marketing, uh, things like this that I wanted to explore and, uh, you know, been able to do that in a, in a marketplace that I had was very unfamiliar with for a long time, just as a client, but not as a, you know, as a practitioner. And then, uh, in the last year, uh, some dot org stuff, you know, to work in some, uh, on some boards, serving on a couple of boards of, uh, organizations, not for profit organizations has been really interesting and eye opening because I'm meeting a whole different group of people. That I never would have gotten a chance to meet if I was just a straight <laughs> yeah. bag carrying sales this, guy this, like yeah, I had been for 25 years, right? It's yeah. so cool. The, yeah. the experts that you get to meet, you're like, wow. Yeah, where did you come from? <laughs> you know, and you're, you're, you and I are the same age. Wow, you had a completely different track, you know? So um, that, that's some experience that I've seen that uh, has been really rewarding here in a very much a smaller portion from what some other people have done. You know, I'm, I'm just not quite there yet as I'm beginning this journey, as I said earlier on the show, but... And we're trying to help people prepare for that slash career or that second career. I think that that's having a financial base for which to, if you want to do the slash career, I'm paying my bills today, but my slash career is providing not only the emotional outlet, but maybe it will eventually provide the financial benefits that I'm looking for. Or I'm trying to, as this gentleman that I spoke about earlier, he's trying to create that second career by being financially done. He enjoys what he does today. It's a 24-7 type of job. He knows he doesn't want to do it for the next 25 years. He's preparing now, four or five years from now, which he can obtain the level that he wants to be at. So it's whether you're preparing to do the slash career and the financial benefits that come from that, or whether you're preparing to be done in five years, or in Joe's case, I know the two instances he's referring to is they are on a track to get to where they want to be, but they want to enjoy life along the way. Mm -hmm. And so you can look at it from three different baskets. All three baskets work. It's just important to have some sort of plan, some sort of financial conversation, as well as the emotional conversation. That's been really the 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 pace the the piece that controls the pace the choke if you will uh, on decisions and when to do this and when to do that is the the financial side of things and and I'm I'm interested in in your experience because clearly you work with professionals and and working on plans for their business but we're we're talking about an individual who's wanting to maybe make some sort of transition whether it's to transition into uh, retirement and be able to do things with the family or transition to a new career, even late in life. How often do you find that you, as you're sitting down with someone going through the, the interview process that you go through with somebody as you're, you're lining out where do they stand today on the roadmap? Do you find that well, it's actually more possible than you think? You know what I'm saying? I, I think that that's the real case. I think most of the time, a lot of people will go to a career coach because they believe, okay, this person's going to give me 
a positive response. Yes, you can do it. Here are the things that you need to watch out for. They're concerned about going to a financial coach because they're assuming I'm going to get a negative reaction. Oh, my God, (laughs) you're leaving your job. Oh, my God, you're doing X, Y, and Z. We're looking at it from a completely different viewpoint. We're looking at it first to say, okay, we accept the emotional change that you want to make. Now let's figure out a plan that will help you get there financially. Instead of saying, no, you can't, it's more from a standpoint of how can you get there? Let's look at it from a positive, emotionally supportive role. And I think that that's a little different than most financial people come at the, I want to do my second career. I want to quit my job. Right. Yeah, and, I, and I would think that that's, that's probably one of the big things that keeps people from coming to have that conversation is just the assumption that they're just going to tell me I can't afford it. So right. Don't do it. But how can you not afford it? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess I was I was thinking about this. Maybe it's an appropriate time to say that the, the the planner versus the jump off the pier type, right? What what is the value of each of those tracks? I mean, for some people, you sort of have this um, I don't know romantic sort of respect for the person who just throws caution to the wind and <laughs> right and just decides today I'm doing this. Sometimes there's rocks in the water. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. You know? Right, exactly. And then but but then you know if you if you take a step back, you know, I'll just a quick anecdote here is a a client of ours who's a who's a friend of mine who um who came to me and said, "Hey, I just got a I'm I'm going to get a new job and it's a really important job and everything was telling me all about it and we were sitting in a social setting. And it was uh, having a little, you know, adult beverage kind of thing. And uh, about halfway through it, he said, and don't tell Dave because <laughs> he's going to ask me a lot of questions as to whether or not this is good for me and my family. And uh, not to contradict his earlier comment, because I know Dave and Dave would we generally want to know what he's doing and how great it is and all that kind of stuff. But I just we both laughed at it after he, after he said it to me. And I think that there's something to be said, though, that. Some modicum of planning is important, right? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Oh, well, absolutely. We're not saying jump off the pier and there's a lot of sharp uh, objects in the water. <laughs> We're saying if you're going to jump off the pier, hey, there are sharp o- objects. Are you sure you want to jump off the pier? And then if you're making that jump off the pier, you may have to make some alternative changes to your lifestyle. I mean, we know one person that is jumping off the pier and she's okay with not having all the material possessions that most people would associate with a successful lifestyle. I mean, she's okay with less car, less house, less spending because she wants to do what she's doing, as long as you know going into it. And what we're trying to do is just provide information education. That, for us, have a plan with the right information so that you can educate yourself so that when you do jump off the cliff, you know which side of the cliff to jump off of. Yeah. And and that's that's the, that would seem to be the key to go in is to sit down with a financial expert such as yourselves is to not necessarily be told that you can't or that you can't do it for 20 years. It's how can I? What do I need to do? Because this is what I want to do. This is what this is what ministers to the spirit that is CW. So how do I achieve it? And And, and I think that if you go in with that, then you're. As you're talking about, you're a whole lot less likely to be sorry that you made the change. You know, one thing I want to say, and we've kind of been talking about this throughout this, um, through the time together, but I don't, 
I don't see it as reinventing. I don't see it necessarily. I think you're maybe discussing some outliers that it's not necessarily for the most part. You have your transferable skills. You're, it's in there, right? As you mentioned, when you're 18, you're 19, you go to college, take the safe route. Parents have told you to do this, but there's, there's something in you that may not have been again, um, fostered or that's not that authentic you. So it's mm-hmm. not, it's not like jumping off. I don't believe it's like, you know, jumping into something you've never done. It's you. It's who you are. I think that that's an important message to say that I don't see it as a risk. I see it as learning experiences. I see that eyes wide open. As long as you know, I don't see it as a risk. I don't Mm -hmm. see even, you know, when people at the end of life, they don't regret taking risks. They regret not taking risks. So, and again, I don't see it as a risk. I do believe that most of the people, I can't think of many at all that I've worked with that have actually left their jobs. I mean, look at me. I worked for AT&T and now I'm a marriage and family therapist. Sounds like it's a huge difference, but the reality is I'm no different than I was. I just don't talk about telecom when I'm in the room with somebody. (laughs) But I do the same thing I did. I'm sure you're doing the same thing you've done. It's about building relationships. It's about building, establishing trust um, and getting people to understand what their needs are. I'm not doing anything different. And I think that that's really an important component in here is to say that it is not reinventing yourself. It's finding who you are. And so if you're not the person, even when we're talking about... um, As you're getting older and you're trying to find out, you know, that when you went to school, the conventional wisdom was to be an accountant or to do something that you're supposed to that's going to make money. Right. But today, all of a sudden you say, I've got this creative side that I've never, ever been able to use. I want to go and, you know, just do something creative. Does that mean I'm going to go be an artist? Maybe. Does that mean that I'll go take a class? Maybe. Right. So. I, I just think it's important in this messaging to be able to tell people that you can do it, but it doesn't have to be jumping off a of pier. It is you, you yourself have defined who you are and career counselors, financial advisors, everybody, we're all just trying to help you find that dream and live that dream. What I see in our conversation today about the possibilities of reinventing yourself or at least discovering the mm-hmm. The authentic you, as as Joe was talking about earlier, in talking with Debbie Buckland, Dave Raglan, and Joe Shum here about reinventing yourself and taking into account the financial side of that choice as well as the personal side of that choice, and that's that's to me where the risk lies, as you say. You are you, and so you're going to find what ministers to you, ideally, by making these types of transitions. I, I think that the risk comes is that, as as Dave was talking about earlier, when you have a mortgage, you have a car payment, or maybe there's a certain measure of lifestyle choices that you're accustomed to making. I, I can stop and have dinner out three or four nights a week. I, I drive a, a nice car. I have a nice house. I want to keep all those things and yet transition over here. That's where the, in, in my opinion, based on what we're talking about here, that's where the risk lies, where you need to do some measure of realistic planning to make sure, because let's face it, as you talked about, I want to go really administer to my creative side. Maybe that doesn't pay the same salary right. that is as fantastically happy and, and satisfied and fulfilled as you will be. You still have a mortgage that's going to call you. You know the bank's going to call you and say, "Hey, uh, I noticed you haven't paid in a month or two. So that's where the planning side with the folks who can say, "Okay, this is what realistically you need to do to be able to support that 
with a minimum of financial risk because it would seem that that's where the risk lies. And what we're seeing, too, is, yes, have a plan, but a lot of times when people do something that they really, really enjoy, they've gone from corporate life to working for themselves, yes, they need a bridge of time to get there, but in a lot of circumstances, we see people making the same or more money. Uh, after that, because they are now really enjoying what they're doing. And when the passion shows through, they will become more successful in building relationships and doing what they're really successful at. We've seen that on many occasions. Mm -hmm. And I, I work, I work after hours all the time. Now I think about this constantly, which is, you know, that's what a lot of the entrepreneurs who go out and create something huge is they're dedicating tons of time and energy to it. So so what I was going to say is that I, I feel as a marriage and family therapist um, that I need to put a plug in for <laughs> the word of the planning piece. When I when I hear planning, you know, there's there's planning to the point of paralysis. Right. Some people plan so much that they get stuck and they can't go anywhere anywhere, which it maybe they're not ready to. Maybe that's what that's all about. But when I hear planning and people ask me about, do we need to plan? I always say, you know, look to your right or your left, wherever your partner is. If you have a life partner, the planning is really about getting on board with them because more often than not, um, the couples come into my office and one has that entrepreneurial idea and the other one is like, Hey, wait. Uh, I like this house so we're living in. That's right. <laughs> what the heck does entrepreneur mean? That's right. What that's was right. that one, honey? That's right. <laughs> so I really, um, I'm not saying that it's not possible because really I'm not trying to get, when I work with the couples, I'm not trying to get them to both agree and to um, be on board with each other, but I am trying to get them to understand what, this is why I'm not taking that job in Denver, or this is why I am taking that job in Denver, or this is why... I'm trying to focus on this post-intense career. I mean, I have couples that have come in. The one has said, you know, I'm done. I'm just totally done. And the other one's like, well, if you're done, that means we're getting old and I'm not ready to be old yet. Mm -hmm. And so really just getting it out on the table and saying, what does this mean? I do. I have clients do a five-year plan or sometimes longer plan to say, where do I visualize myself? Because if you, you know, in my, I go with the, um, goal is just to dream with deadlines. So let's sit and dream for a little bit. Tell me what you plan. What are your plans? What are your thoughts? And let's see what your partner says. And if they agree with that or they don't agree with that, at least you both know up front what these dreams are. And then you work towards it. But, you know, just don't forget that you got that partner next to you that is also, um, that has to be able to weigh in some way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that off because I was actually going to ask you about that because it is, it is a consideration. And I think that you don't want to be, you want to embark on whatever your dream is or, but, but at the same token, you know, you have hitched your wagon to somebody else or they've hitched them to the, themselves to you. You're, you're together in some way and you want to respect that. Make sure because it's going to be a lot more difficult if they're not on board. That's right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever see in your practice, either of you, I would say, um, is there a particular age where you get more of these conversations as a demographic than, than not? I see them a lot of times between 45 and 50. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the prime period of time. Your kids are now 15 to 20 years old in circumstances. You've made some money 
you spend enough time building your career and you look back and say, am I really going to be doing this for the next 10 years? And then what happens after that? I'm done. And so the runway to really change and become, if you want to say, successful in your second career, you need 10 to 15 years and you need 10 to 15 years of that physical stamina to really aggressively go after that next career. I mean, if you're starting the second career at 55, absolutely you can be successful. But if you are looking to start another business, start a substantial career that's going to take 10, 12, 13 hours a day, it's harder to do when you're 55 just from a personal stamina standpoint. So a lot of times that 45 to 50 age group is looking to make a change. Interesting. What do you find that tends to be the driving force behind, I got to make a professional change. This is killing me. Well, what I was going to say, I don't know which question to answer first. (laughs) Um, I can put them together. So the reality is that there are 25 year olds today that come into my office and they call themselves, they say they're having a quarter life crisis. And so they're saying, I don't want to be like my parents. I want to make that change now. That's the driving force. I don't want to kill myself like my parents are. So I want to make the change now. I want to find that, again, the um, work-life balance, the spirituality, whatever it is. um, That's what is more important to me. But I also see, to your point about what it is driving them when they get to that 45, 50-year-old age group, that's the Eric Erickson stage in psychosocial behavior of generativity versus stagnation. I don't want to be president anymore, but I want to help others. I'm tired of trying to run the, you know, run the rat race, but I do want to mentor others and make sure they can get there. So again, depending on what you're motivated by, I do think that that also happens. I also think that again, knowing what's happening, whether it's a transition, whether it's empty, um, empty nesting, whether it's divorce, death of a family member, something that says, well, life's just too short. I really need to, to make this change because it, it's my turn now. Um, so it varies. So I don't, in answer to your initial question, I don't think it's age, but I do think it's absolutely situations that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you get older, you become more and more able to say, this is my time. I'm going to give myself permission to go find that dream to go do what I really want to do, it's my time. If not now, when? It would seem then, uh, I, and, and I've already been thinking about it, and our conversation today certainly solidified it for me. I've got a 12-year-old kid. Um, you know, At this point, she's going to be a veterinarian, right? Mm-hmm. She's already chosen what she's going to be so she can deal with horses and whatnot. But I, I decided that what, I'm, what I want to do for her is to ensure that she's got access to expertise like what you guys are talking about and sharing early on so that she has so it doesn't really matter what she makes i know some people in my in you know in my uh, circle of acquaintances who maybe they don't make a ton of money as a top line revenue but they live very comfortably pay cash for this and that and what have you because why they live by the the type of plan that you you prescribe for people every day uh know how much you make know what your obligations are, control those, pay down the obligations, get them eliminated. It doesn't matter at that point, really, what you make at that point. So you can then pursue 
your dreams. You know, so I think that for me and and for the kids and the people mm-hmm. who are listening who have young people out there, I think that's the thing is is to make sure that they are in line financially, you know, in terms of how they view money. I know it took me a long time. I wasn't all that. I wasn't the best. And I've made some money here and there. And and I should be probably much, much, much better prepared financially for the future than I am. Um, So um, learning about that now, so that to me would be the head start, I think, for the young people is is I think it's a great thing that the younger generation is looking for work-life balance and trying not to just sell out just to make some money. I, I just think that it also sucks to have financial stress all the time. Well, I think one thing that we need to spend more time with the children generation is just the basic education of money, how it works. Just here's how much is coming in. Here's how much you can spend. Here's net income as a person and what happens to that money and when you borrow money that you basically have to pay a dollar and a half back for every dollar that you spend. So the $5,000 vacation that you take that you put on the credit card between having to earn the money, pay tax on it, and then pay the interest on the credit card, that $5,000 vacation, which went by in four or five or six days, now costs you $10,000, and it takes you two years to pay that back. And it's the basics that sometimes get glossed over, whether it's playing Monopoly or having a conversation. It's these basic conversations that are not being had in the family unit. A lot of families are having it, but a lot of families are not. And money is not taboo. In our society, we should just be open to say, this is how much we make, or let's play a game or something. We've got to be able to talk about money more often. I know previously you're not supposed to ask people how much they make. You're just supposed to speculate based upon the car they drive and the house they, that they live in. At least have an honest conversation about one plus one equals two, and let's go down to some detail level. I think it's interesting how it really is such an uncomfortable conversation in so many cases. You know yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, we hear stories about, well, I have to let my child go to any college they, that they want to, regardless of the cost, because the neighbor is doing that, that there's this social pressure being put on college expenses. And so we're recommending at an early, early age, 12, 13 years old, that you start having conversations in general about what college costs. And so that by the time that they're looking at colleges at 17 and 18 years old, that they understand the ramifications of the decisions that they're making, not only on the debt that the parents have to take on, but the debt that the children take on and how long it's going to take for them to pay it back. I've got still a, paying. Right. I've got a close friend of mine who's got four children, and he's already had that conversation. He started having it early on, and this is the amount of money that I'm going to be spending per year. You can go in-state, you can go out-of-state, you can go to junior college. You know, education over a three- or four-year period of time, and now the kids, instead of coming back to him and saying, why can't I go to here, the kids already know they've kind of been educated, and they're making their own educated decisions on where they're going to go and the subjects that they want to study. Well, that's the key, too, right? I mean, if we're going to if we're going to talk expand on that a little bit, it's not even just about the responsibility of the place you select. But what do you choose to study so that, I mean, we're not getting rich learning Sanskrit, right? So, you know, can you pay back a $100,000 note 
over time. Will you ever, will you ever realize what you really were built to do if you spend all your time working someplace that you're saddled with debt, which is always crushing your creativity, crushing your, your dream because you felt that you had to go to this school and you wanted to study this and it was going to be very expensive. Well, and back to Debbie's point, talking about the quarter life crisis, Mm -hmm. what we don't want to see is someone study something that they really don't enjoy and that at age 25, they've got $100,000 with a student loan debt, and now they're locked in right. to working as yeah. an accountant when really, for 30 years. For 30 <laughs> years, when they really wanted to be X, Y, and Z. So let's sure. not only have the conversation about money, but let's have the conversation about what you really want to do before you even hit college age. Because just because your mother was an accountant, your dad was an accountant, and your older brother is an accountant, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in the financial services industry. You may be better in sales. You may be better in technology and trying to, one of the great things that uh, Joe and I did, we took Myers-Briggs with uh, Debbie's help. And it was very fascinating to look at my own personal results. And wow, an eye opener here at at, uh, 50 plus years of age. I'm like, wow, now I understand myself even better. And so I, we're, uh, having Debbie come back in and we're going to do it for our entire office. And I just think it's fantastic to be able to get in touch with your own innate personality. Of course, now everybody is uh, resigning from the office right now because they're <laughs> listening to the show and just found out that they're going to be tested. But uh, David and I did talk about that and we thought it'd be a great program. So please, folks back at the office, do not run out screaming and yelling. Uh, Debbie will be on her way shortly to help you through that. But it was a great experience, wasn't it? And it is really important because, you know, I think about, boy, would I have loved to understand a little bit more of how I was built back when I was, you know, in my teens coming even through college. And would I have gone the, the route that I that I took? And uh, you don't want to drive life by the rearview mirror, certainly. But it, it is a, a really cool thing because it sort of maybe lets you understand some of the ways you behaved, both as a career and in family and so on, you know, and, and personal life. For you all, what was the motivation for going through that sort of assessment? Actually, it was Joe's idea, so I'll let him comment on how the idea uh, bore fruit. So, um, and I've taken similar, uh, uh, I guess, can do you call it a test or an exam? What's the appropriate an assessment? Position? Personality assessment. 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 Thanks, Debbie. And um, uh, my wife was going through it with uh, Debbie, um, and um, you know, she was trying to explore some different things that were of interest to her. And she had come to me and said, I really think you need to do this so that, you know, we can kind of better understand where we are here in life. And we have a very successful marriage and so on. So it was certainly something I was open to. And, and I've, like I said, I know these assessments in basic format and they're always really enlightening. But had I changed in all, all those years since the last time I took it? And, um, so anyway, I, I, I said this to Dave and Dave goes, Hey, you know, maybe we could communicate better with each other here at work since Dave's my, like my work wife. And then I have my wife wife and, and and I stand in the middle and he's, and he said, you know, because we're really spending a lot of time together trying to make this thing, you know, go to the next level. And so he was gung ho about it. And so I approached Debbie and then she facilitated it for us and then helped us debug it. But it's been really cool. Um, I do far less now at home than I would have before, which is great. I get to 
um, understand. Yeah, yeah I, I understand how she, how she's built and where I need to play a role and where it's just how she is. And I just let her go off. And the same goes true for Dave. You know, there's things that I learned about him because I know better now about me. And um, and I just think it makes the a work life and a, a much more, um, I guess, enjoyable because you sort of understand how the other people around you are built and how they react to things and and uh, during crisis and during calm and, and those kinds of things. So it's been a, it's been a really interesting few weeks with all this uh, <laughs> new knowledge about myself and about Dave and and so as so colleagues, on. then you have truly because I've done I've gone through these assessments before in the workplace and you go sometimes to go so far as to put your little funky looking chart on your desk so people will kind of know <laughs> who you are but i mean do you would you say that you <laughs> have really i guess integrated that information into your communication patterns or at least your reaction patterns if you will because that's the piece you control is how do i respond to something that would normally maybe have crossed me wrong just because i understand our makeup is different and maybe I would have said it different or acted different, but I can, I don't have to own it. So do you see that you've used that information to your benefit? Absolutely. I, I look at myself personally first, trying to see how I'm interacting with people and trying to understand how I work better myself, because if I work better myself, I think I'll interact better. And so I'm looking forward to maybe sitting back down with Joe 60 days from now and going back and saying, okay, I understand how it's kind of changed me. Are you seeing an impact in our communication and vice versa? And then kind of going back through Joe's chart as well. So I don't think it's a one and done for us. I think it's a a consistency of the education and learning process. And I think if you just take the test and you put it in a drawer, like anything, it becomes stale. If you come back and Right. Look at it on a consistent basis every 90 days, 180 days. You'll get a lot more out of it. And where I was essentially going with that was to come back to you, Debbie, is, is I guess you were the person that was working with them on this, is at, at what age can an assessment like that have value? I mean, if I'm a young person, for example, mm-hmm. and I'm starting out, I'm trying to decide, do I really want to be a veterinarian? Do I want to be a CPA? At what age does that sort of assessment have value? Because I know certain sorts of assessments have more and more merit the older one gets, you know. So what would you say to that? So I think it has merit at various ages. I think at the beginning when you're trying to figure out who you are, I have a lot of um, pre-college kids or after college come in to take the test, and I think that they have found a lot of value in it to determine. It, it basically validates some of the things. Sometimes it says, oh, wait. Oops, should be here. But um, as we get older, I think we become more whole. And so we really become more evolved. So this goes back to at the very beginning when we talked about being authentic. What I find in tests like Myers-Briggs is that you do become more, you give yourself permission to be right. this person. Yep. So let's just say, for instance, in Myers-Briggs, do you make your decision with your head or your heart? As you get older, and I see this not to be gender specific, but I do see this in men that, you know, have gone in the corporate world. There's no crying in baseball. You can't go to work and, (laughs) you know, be a feeler. But as they get older, they say, you know what? I'm tired of being someone that I'm not. I'm tired of that imposter syndrome. And so as I get older, I want to start using my heart. And that's where they go back and that going back to the motivation of helping people, affiliating with people, helping others. So they allow themselves to be more of a feeler. And I think that it's very, there's a lot of value in that as well. 
And I do it with all of my couples. I try to get them to do a personality, to do Myers-Briggs, because um, as we've been discussing today, it really allows you to figure out who you are. And then you can also, you take it away from the personal piece to say, oh, my husband or my wife is such and such. No, it's not. That's just their personality. And I really, really want to honor their personality and that's why they're doing this Mm -hmm. so like for instance if one is that planner that we've talked about and the other one is very spontaneous then you know i have couples where their homework assignments i give a lot of homework and their homework assignment is i want the one that's not the one that's the not the planner to come up with a plan for the next for the weekend (laughs) <laughs> wow, that must be yeah. awesome. I'd love to see yeah. some of those results. It's very fun to be able to come back and say, oh, I just waited and waited. And finally, he came up with a plan. It was really nice. So and then allowing the person that's spontaneous to be able to let this learn, teach this person how to be spontaneous. So it's really good in that way. So in answering long way to your question, yeah, well, you know, many, I'm, many times, many different values, um, times where it's of value. I'm, you know, asking it from the perspective of w- when would it make sense? Does it make sense to do that before I choose where, what I'm going to do in college, for example? And, you know, do I need to go to college? Should I consider some other pathway so that a person is less likely to have to do what we're talking about here? And that is reinventing ourselves. That's right. Typically. Like David was talking about earlier when I'm 48, you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that how cool would it have been to spend the last 40 years doing something that was just like, Ooh, yeah, you know, the whole time. And you imagine getting to do that. I'm sure it's a, a small number. But, and it's not just personality. So Myers-Briggs personality is one. Then there's also values, right? Some people's values are different than the others. And then there's lifestyle. How much money do I want to make? I have people that... Um, you have very strong values on right and wrong, um, helping others, but yet they want to make a lot of money. And so, you know, there's that to have to be able to prioritize. And then the last is about interest because I might be very interested in doing, you know, healthcare or I might be interested in construction or engineering or whatever. So I measure all four of those. I think that, again, going back to this holistic approach to say, what's what's important to me? What are my priorities? Um, what are my top 10 priorities? And then from there, determining um, what should I major in college? What should I major in grad school? Should I go to grad school? Should I go try out some t- you know, something for a little bit? Or do I end up being 25 and saying, oops. <laughs> well, as we as we've talked about, you know, having value to sit down with a professional experts like what we have here at RC Wealth, who can give you a roadmap financially to achieve that transition. Does it make sense to sit down with, you know, Debbie and go through some of this on that side as well to analyze, you know, am I am I truly being authentic to? what those types of things would say I am. Does does that make sense? I mean, yep. does, is there some merit in that uh, in terms of trying to make a good decision before I leap off the cliff or off the pier as we've talked about? I think it's validating. I think it's always good to be able to, when you walk into my office, you'll notice that I have a chair and a desk, but then I also have a couch. And so many times people will walk in because there's anxiety or depression when they have to make those decisions. So they'll walk into my office and I pretty much say, you can sit where you want. And it's very (laughs) telling sometimes where someone that is coming in for some career work just comes, sits right down on the couch and says, I need to discuss this anxiety or feeling stuck or whatever. But I do believe that to be able to have a third person to be able to have this conversation with and say, 
you know, with a couple, I'll say when I say the third person, to be able to say, this is what's going on. Can you kind of help me level set at this point? Well, talk about, because we just have a few minutes left, or we, we, we can make an hour burn up real quickly. So um, talk about how folks can get in touch with you so that if their business wants to go through some of the work that you were doing with the folks at IRC Wealth, where they were doing some assessments to help them communicate better, or if I'm an individual or a couple that needs some, some third-party advice, where do they go to get information about you? Um, again, it's Debbie Buckland. Um, it, my, um, I work for an organization. There's a partnership, three of us, and it's the Atlanta Counseling Group. You can see us on the web. We have a website, re- really nice website. And my telephone number is 404-842-0696. You can call me, um, connect with me anyway. What's Happy the, to help. What's the website? Um, it's... I guess the best way to do it would be at theatlantacounselinggroup.org. Okay. And how about you guys? Uh, if I'm a company that's uh, needing to do some financial planning or p- perhaps want to look at the uh, sense that it might make for my small to mid-sized business to actually have my CFO be in your hands rather than me trying to do that from my small business or if I'm an individual that wants to have a roadmap for my own personal choices, where do they go? Well, it's pretty simple. Um, you can catch us at ircwealth.com. And uh, we, too, are very proud of our website. Uh, we produce a lot of uh, content. We have a lot of folks that come out, uh, third-party social experts like the Debbie Bucklins of the world and so on that, that write and, and contribute. And so there's a lot of stuff out there that you can learn from experts about building wealth and having a wealthy and healthy uh, life. And, um, and we probably be the best and you can follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and all those cool channels. And we're starting a podcast series, uh, here, uh, little vignettes of ideas and thoughts. And we're wrestling with Periscope, but we're not brave enough yet to, uh, <laughs> yeah. go live. But, yeah. uh, Dave, anything else on that? I think you can just reach either one of us. My email is david at ircwealth.com, and it's joe at ircwealth.com. Happy to answer any questions. Best way to probably reach yeah, out to good us. good idea. Well, I've really had a, a great time getting to know Dave and Joe from IRC Wealth, and I'm looking forward to having you all in the studio on a monthly basis. I, the people that you brought in so far through this monthly interaction have been great, so it's been a treat getting to meet you too, Debbie. Thank you. And for the folks who've made us a part of their day today, whether it's through the live show or coming back to listen to the podcast. We really appreciate your time as well. You're important to us. And uh, turn around and share this information if you would. Hit hit share on the uh, Facebook page, Twitter, LinkedIn. You, you might just put some information in the hands of somebody you care about that really makes a difference for them. Um, so I'll say thank you in advance for doing that for us. And if you haven't done so already, when you're checking out the podcast, if you go to the upper left-hand corner of the page, you'll see the Apple logo there. Um, that'll take you over to the iTunes store, to the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast, and you can subscribe to us because every week we're going to be bringing you cool new experts from around the Atlanta area and beyond. So uh, make sure you subscribe to us and uh, stay keyed in with all the folks that we're introducing you to. And uh, link in with us on Facebook and Twitter at Midtown BRX on both Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to uh, hear from you. Let us know where you're listening from or if you have questions for our experts. Send them to us from uh, from one of those locations or on our contact page, and we'll get answers back to you, even if it's after the fact. So, uh, guys and gals, we really want to say thanks so much for making time. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome. It's been a real treat. And everybody out there, we'll see you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 